You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. On Friday night, Nikki and I went off to uh, the cinema. I really enjoy the cinema in spare time and uh, watched the film Instant Family. Has anybody been to see it yet? It's obviously not a popular one in Ealing. That's why I could get seats, I guess, on a Friday night. Uh, I must admit, we both cried most of the evening. If you've not seen it, it's about a family that take on fostering and the whole challenges of that. I guess while I was sat there, it just makes you realise how much the cinema has changed. Is there anyone here that is old enough to remember cinema in black and white? John Jackson, Saturday morning, Steve Page. I know I was chatting to John, who's 86 this week, and he was telling me that he was nine before he saw his first film in colour. I'm not old enough for that, but I am old enough to remember when they used to change the reel halfway through the film. And so when you went to the cinema, you literally, you saw the first half of the film, and then you went and got your popcorn and all that because they were changing the reel at the back so that they could finish off the film. I do remember my first ever film in 3D. You remember the first time you went, you put the glasses on and you honestly thought something was going to hit you in the face. I remember my first ever cinema in 4D. My mother-in-law had graciously paid for our family, I've got three kids, to all go to Disneyland Paris. And it was the honey, I've shrunk the audience. Yeah, it's a takeoff on the whole film. And so suddenly this giant rat comes in front of us and they flick air around our legs. And you suddenly think, I've been hit by a rat. (laughs) At the end of the film, this dog, this massive dog comes out and sneezes on the audience. And they spray water on you. You honestly think this dog has sneezed on you personally. I guess the thing is that... Cinema just changes radically, doesn't it? I personally wouldn't want to go back to black and white. I personally wouldn't want to go back to having to wait for them to change the reel. I love the whole dimensions that there are in engaging with film. Well, I guess what we're discovering in this whole series that we're looking at on prayer is that there are so many dimensions to God. How do we avoid just the traditional one dimension. Rick Warren says this, it's not how much I know about prayer, but how much I know about God. And I found that fascinating as we're doing this series. We're on week four. I know some of you got your journals here and taking out your notes. Week four, and we're looking this morning at how to pray. And what I've discovered so much is it's not necessarily what's the model of how I'm praying, but who am I praying to? Who is this God that we pray to? Paul writes to the church in Rome and says he's a wonderful creator. It says in Romans 1 verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I actually studied A-level RE. And one of the things that we did under philosophy was called the watch analogy. 
The whole thing was that if you were walking down the street and I suddenly found this timepiece that kept time and was designed, I wouldn't look at it and suddenly say, wow, isn't it amazing what the rain, the wind has blown together? I wouldn't sort of look at that and think, golly, what a chance encounter. Oh, and it keeps time. I would pick it up and think, someone's designed that. And that, that's an incredible thing. In fact, it's so nice, I think I put it on my wrist. That I would think, oh, this is the watch. What about the planet? Paul is saying that actually if you think, let's be honest, when you see a newborn baby, you think it is amazing, isn't it? The creation that has occurred there. If you think about the seasons, if you think about the rhythms of the planet, if you think about how it is that the moon creates the tides, you've got to think, wow, what a God. Who is this God that we speak to? Job, a man in the Old Testament, says this, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. And Job, although he'd gone through a very difficult time, if you know the story of Job, he still says, I cannot comprehend the size, the power, the greatness of God." You see, in many respects, God has got so many dimensions to him, I couldn't completely explain him to you. I don't understand him myself. This is what I love about the Alpha. We go along with these questions, and actually you have more questions so often because you suddenly think, wow, God. God is not so simple that I could put him in a box and explain him to you. The fact that I don't understand God causes mystery, and that's why I want to worship him. How could God become a man? But that's the story of Jesus, isn't it? The incarnation. The gospel of John starts like this. The word, we know that God spoke, the word spoke in creation. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. How does God exist in those two forms? I don't know. But I do think, wow, what a God. How could God be so consistent, so faithful? Some days I think, oh, yeah, I'm really there. And other days I think, oh, yeah, I'm really there. We're all the same, aren't we? But God is faithful. Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I I can't get my head around how great God the Father is who spoke creation. I can't get my head around this amazing Jesus who came and lived on the earth. I can't get my head around the dimensions of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says himself, doesn't he, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. There's a dynamic to God and the Holy Spirit that is just unexplainable, uncontainable, incredible. And I've got to stand back in awe and say, wow, what a great creator, what an incredible son, what a powerful spirit. In the Old Testament, Psalm 139, 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even in the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day for darkness is as light to you. The psalmist is saying, God, you're so big and so good. Wherever I went, I jump on a jumbo jet and you know, I flew for 20 hours in one direction and I got off God you'd be waiting for me I mean it's incredible isn't it if I wake up at 3 in the morning it's pitch black and I just feel dark and I mean actually God you're there God of the past God of the present God of the future God of heaven God of earth God of the physical God of the spiritual God in above and around you God the beginning, God the end, God the yesterday, God today, God tomorrow. God is everywhere. It makes you start thinking, doesn't it? Oh, this is the God that we pray to. He's not just a one-dimensional God. He's incredible. I always feel nervous then talking about models of how to pray. In our meetup this week, and many of us are gathering as groups throughout the week to look at the journal, we started looking at the Lord's Prayer. And I loved it when Rick Warren introduced that because the disciples said to Jesus, didn't they? Have you heard it on the video? You know, Teach us to pray. I mean, the disciples had seen the miracles. The disciples had heard the teaching. They didn't say, teach us how to teach. They didn't even say, teach us how to do the miracles. They said, teach us to pray. Yes. And there's that whole model of prayer. And I know we looked at it last week, and I know we'll be looking at it again this week in our small group. Personally, in my own devotions, I would often use an acrostic along the lines of acts. How do I pray? A, I would adore God. C, what do I need to confess to God? T, what am I thankful for to God? S, supplication, what do I ask for? And in many respects, I think if we were to look at a model, I'd love to look at that one. But we're going to be looking at a different one. And I'm a bit concerned that it's warm in here today and you're going to nod on me. So I'm going to try and get a bit of engagement. Can I just say, you know, if I don't get it on the first one, I shall make it bigger and bolder on the second. So let's just go with it straight up. Point number one, how do we pray? What spheres, what dimensions do we pray? All you've got to do is a hand. I would like you to look Backwards to the cross. Just put your thumb like that. Backwards to the cross. I would say the center point of the whole of history is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think it's really good, therefore, to start with an attitude of gratitude, as Americans would throw at us. Why? Because the cross reminds me how deeply God loves me. How costly evil and sin is how completely I am forgiven so I look at the cross I look backwards and I think Jesus what you did on the I never want to tire of the cross why do we break bread every Sunday because actually we don't want to tire of the fact that Jesus you gave your blood your body was broken for us 
In 1 Peter, it's a letter in the New Testament, says this, For you know that it was not with the perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In the Old Testament, they had this way of sacrificing perfect lambs. And it was always pointing forward to the cross. Actually, the Lamb of God would come and die in our place. And so why do I want to start by looking back? Because actually, I want to remind myself of the cross. I don't know who said this first. It's far too wise for me to make it up. But I kind of give them the credit because I don't know who it is. The Son of God became a Son of Man so that the sons of men can become sons of God. Many would say that is really what happened at the cross. The son of God became a son of man, so that sons of men can become sons of God. We've got to be those that come and focus upon the cross. Now I know that so often when we think about praying, we think about a prayer list. I'm going to suggest that some of us need a playlist. Because I think some of these songs that we sing are to stir us again about the cross. Jerry Bridges, he's an author and speaker. He says, if we want proof of God's love for us, then we must look first at the cross where God offered up his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Calvary is the one objective, absolute, irrefutable proof of God's love for us. So when I pray, I want to look back at the cross. I want to think, God, the price your son paid for me. If you wanted a recommendation for your playlist, I would suggest In Christ Alone by Stuart Townend. In Christ Alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. You think, isn't that great for us to be able to look back and think, oh, what have you done at the cross? But just like I was saying with the cinema, it's not a one-day experience prayer. Point number two, look upward. Look upward to my loving Father. You see, when Jesus came to reveal God to us, the word that he used was Father. When, when we pray, what did Jesus say? Father. He didn't say pray master. He didn't say pray Lord. He didn't say pray creator. He said father. You see, the word you start with sets the tone for the conversation. 
And I think if you come and say, Lord, then I think there's that relationship. Whereas if you come and say, Father, Paul writing to the church in Romans, in Romans 8, says this, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. There we go. I'm back to the instant family. Go and watch it. I recommend it. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I think this could be a whole sermon in itself. I've got to be very careful on time. I just want to say three quick things. God wants it to be Abba. Because I believe that means it's personal. Prayer is personal. A child coming to their father. It's not you approaching your boss. Some of you might say, I don't feel like calling God my father. I haven't had a good father. Please hear my heart in this. We've got to get over that. That's what he wants us to call him. Maybe we need to pray into that. Maybe we need to talk to somebody and say, why don't I want to call God Father? He wants us to come personally to him. He wants us to cry out. By him we cry, Abba, Father. Let's be honest. We see the kids all running around here. They didn't think about whether or not I should be jumping around here. They just think they're in a riot, don't they? Because kids are like that. Let's be honest. If you've been a parent, you know, and you've got kids, you know that you're in the middle of the shops. They they just scream out, don't they? I want sweets and I want them now. I love it now because... When I drop my kids at university, they're doing the shopping. And I just follow them around with the trolley going, can I have some sweets, please? Please, can I have some sweets? And they look at me, no, Dad. (laughs) Please, I've been good today. Can I have some sweets? See, kids are like that, aren't they? You know, they they just cry out. We are those. I believe that emotionally, to call to God, he's not an accountant. And I think sometimes we, we can almost shut it all down. It's almost like, well, it's prayer. God knows our emotions anyway. Yes. When do we honestly cry out with our real emotions before God? Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so frustrated. By the Spirit, the verses, I believe that talks about a partnership in prayer. Paul goes on to say, The Spirit himself helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We are to be those that pray by the Spirit. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, he's a German pastor and theologian, I only realized this week how short his life was cut. He wouldn't bow down to the uh, German authorities in the Second World War, so he was thrown into prison. And literally, he died just before the end of the Second World War. He wrote many things. One book he wrote was called Costly Discipleship. 
He said the right way to approach God is to stretch out our hands and ask of one who we know has the heart of a father. I thought, isn't that amazing? He didn't have an easy life. He died in prison. If you'd really like to know, he was hung with piano wire just before the liberation. But he said, if we're to approach God, we come and raise our hands and cry out, Father. So what are the things we're thinking about prayer? We're looking back to Jesus Christ on the cross. We're looking up to the Father in heaven. I think we need to look in to the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of us. We need the Holy Spirit as we're going to pray. We need the Holy Spirit to be those that reveal things to us. He reveals things to us. It says in Proverbs, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Ask any politician. The cover-up is worse than the sin. But that's true, isn't it? It's almost like we suddenly feel embarrassed and so we're lying and we've got to lie about the lie and we can't remember who we lied to. Actually, surely we've got to look inside. We've got to allow the Spirit to look right inside of us. We've got to be those, if we're going to pray in this model of prayer, say, Spirit, stir me. What are you saying? What are you challenging me about? What is it that I've done that I need to say sorry for? A.W. Tozer, as an American pastor and author, says this, The spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. And if we're going to be those that are going to pray and we're going to pursue God in prayer, we need to be those that are people of the spirit. I think I mentioned last week, I was raised going to church from a very young age. Being filled with the Holy Spirit was the thing that changed my life the most. If you've never been filled, we have a prayer team. They'd love to pray for you today. Let's be those that keep drinking of him. Okay, we've done back, we've done up, we've done in. I'd love us to look outward in prayer. Outward in prayer. I'd I'd like to throw down a challenge. I've often said, look, the Christian life is not a crutch. For the weak. It's a machete for the adventurous. So I would like to tell you what is the most dangerous thing you could pray today. And I just want to dare you. Come on, if you think you're hard enough. Who's up for it? What's the most dangerous thing you could pray this week? What's the most dangerous thing you suddenly think? I would say it's two words. Use me. Use me. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, in Romans 6, verse 13, says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. It's almost like the world needs you. And so you're going to say, God, use me. This week, God, use me. I want to make an impact on the world where I live. I want to make an impact on the family that I live in. I want them to be better off. People that I'm in a relationship with, I want them to be richer because God, you've used me. I want my workplace to be different because God, you've used me. I want my street to be better 
because God, you've used me. I want the, you know, the PTA at school to be different because, God, you've used me. I want the queue on the tube to be better because, God, you've used me. Yes. Who knows? Sam was telling the story, wasn't he? Just uh, Was it last week, the week before, about he's out for lunch, sees a guy and ends up buying him a meal deal. Three quid, but actually the guy just felt so touched. had a great conversation, praised with him because he says, God, use me. Would we be those in prayer that don't just look back at the cross and look up at the Father and look in, but actually say, God, use me in this world this week? Martin Luther, King, the Baptist minister and activist, says this, Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. He surely was one that found a need, had an ability, and went for it. And I guess that's got to be our dream in prayer, hasn't it? Come on, if some of you have still got your phone out and you're making your playlist for your playlist, I would like to encourage Big Ron. Yes, some of you know him as Ron Cannoli. Okay, maybe it's just me and John Jackson at this point. You know what I'm saying? Those that watch films in black and white can still remember Big Ron. He used to have this song, if you can use anyone, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, and speak through me. If you can use anyone, you can use... I tell you, you won't find it on... um, Yeah, you won't find it on Spotify on less than about eight minutes because these guys are anointed and they do go around a few times, but it's well worth listening to it. <laughs> if you can use anyone, use me. Okay, so I've thought about looking backwards to the cross. I've thought about looking upward to my father. I've thought about looking inward, letting the spirit do something. I've thought about the world. How else do I want to pray? I want to pray forward in faith. I want to pray forward in faith. We are to believe and dream things for God in us and through us. All parents want their children to do well. Time, money, effort. He's our father in heaven. Where's the dream for us going forward? What I love, what I absolutely love about the Bible is it's full of imperfect people doing great things because God gets a hold of them. And so if you're sat here this morning thinking, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough. Great, then you're just the kind of person that he wants. And if you're sat here thinking, actually, I'm okay, he's probably going to have a go at you. That's just what we see here. Because he loves the humble. And he says, I want to do things through you. Do you believe God has called you for a purpose? I think I've told you I've got two brothers. One of my brothers... um, through a very sad situation that happened in a church at the age of 18, gave up on God. And he thought, I don't want anything to do with God anymore. And probably for 20 years, he thought, I don't want anything to do with God. And uh, people, some of you won't know, but this is my full-time job. I used to be a school teacher. I've worked for a church for 20-something years. And so he'd come and see me sometimes at the weekend and say, you go off and do your church stuff, you know, I'll cook you dinner. And I was thinking, oh, I'd rather have a sandwich come to church. For 20 years, wasn't interested. I then actually ended up taking my grandfather's funeral. It's about four years ago. My grandfather loved Jesus, 
many speaks to be sad to see him go, but delight knowing he'd gained promotion. My brother was so touched by the grace of God, he thought, I'll go back to church next Sunday. And the guy preached from Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ. And it's funny because I think he thought, oh, I've messed up in 20 years. God, can you still use me? But when he gets to church, the guy preaches, look, this is what, I started something in you. I began it. I'm going to complete it. And are we those in prayer that think, you know, God's begun something. The danger is that you might have begun your Christian life. Think, oh, I don't know. I can't keep it up. I'm not quite good enough. I'm never going to make it. Oh, you talk- no, no. God's began something. We need to pray in faith for the future. John Piper, he's a Baptist pastor and author in the state, says this. Darkness comes. In the middle of it, the future looks blank. The temptation to quit is huge. Don't. You're in good company. You will argue with yourself that there is no way forward, but with God, nothing is impossible. He has more ropes and ladders and tunnels out of pits than you can conceive. Wait, pray without ceasing, hope. And we've got to be those in prayer that we we think, actually, I'm believing God. I might feel in a pit at this moment. I could feel stuck, but actually, he's got more ways forward than we know about. I've got two minutes, so we're going to do this fairly quickly. I would love us all to pray all five points. Ah, now you are panicking. Yeah, you've been a little too passive for me. So I'd like us all to stand up, please. Let's all stand. I believe that you know, if you're praying at home, you're praying at church, God can hear all the prayers at the same time. So let's not worry about that. I would like us, I'd just like you to pray out. One thing, looking back at the cross. So literally, we're just going to say, you may just say a sentence or two. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me at the cross. Let's just go for it now. And then I'm going to say, right, up. And we're going to look at the Father. So let's look back and say, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Now let's look up and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you're in heaven. Thank you. I have a good, good Father in heaven. Come on, let's thank him. He's a Father who watches over you right now now let's look in let's pray that you'd be filled with the spirit pray that he'd come in that he'd convict you of sin that he'd give you courage to live for him let's pray that now now we're thinking about out we're thinking about the world we're going to say come on have you got courage God use me in what way do you want God to use you this week Just say, God, I I want to give myself to you that you'd use me in whatever way. Let's pray that out now for this week. Now, finally, we're going forward. Let's pray that God gives you faith and hope as you go forward. I don't know what your day, your week is looking like. I don't know what this month is looking like. But I want to pray that actually God will take you forward in faith. What is it that you're looking to him for for 2019? Let's pray that out right now in Jesus' name.